Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's not constitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. I'm so glad to have you with me here this week, this Constitution Week, where we're going to be really emphasizing the fact that we are not just simply a talk show, we are a teach show, bringing you constitutional issues from I'm sorry, current events from a constitutional perspective, hoping to educate and equip those of you who already want to know more, all those of you who already know more, to take you to that next level, that next level of constitutional champion, that next level of the person who is able to convince and convert. That's what, we're our, what our goal here is, is to educate for the purpose of convincing and converting people to truth. And we do this by taking everyday, everyday current events in the see in the news and maybe stuff that you don't see in the news that you ought to see in the news. And we bring them to you in such a way that you are able to understand the Constitution, the proper role of government, and how this is supposed to work. You know, we... I've been posting for Constitution Week on social media, as promised, and the interesting thing is uh, we have so many posts all over social media, and I, I'm seeing politicians say this over and over and over again. It, it sort of makes me a little nuts. We need, especially here on Constitution Week, we need to make, sh we need to make our politicians read the Constitution. You know what? That's not going to fix our problems. F fixing our problems is not going to be the legislators reading the Constitution. Everybody in government can read the Constitution. That's not an issue. If you cannot read, then you ought not be in government. The real issue here is not whether they read it or not, it's to whether they follow it or not. The Constitution is not merely a text that needs to be read. The Constitution is a standard that must be applied if we're going to be a constitutional republic. Sorry guys, that's the bottom line. And because our politicians are not following the Constitution, it's not because they're not reading the Constitution. Those of you who have been longtime listeners, longtime followers of the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal and follow me on Facebook and Twitter, you know about my 
conversation with Congressional Representative Tim Wahlberg out of Michigan. You've probably seen it on YouTube. It's still out there. Where Congressman, a Republican from Michigan, looked me dead in the eye and told me, and everybody who was watching on, um, I think it was Facebook Live at the time, or YouTube Live, something like that, it was on YouTube now, looked us dead in the eye and said the only limit to Congress is what Congress can pass by a majority vote. There's something seriously wrong with that. This ideology in modern politics that the only thing we need is a majority in Congress to, to, to pass a law. And that everything that they can pass by majority vote is lawful, enforceable, and by default, constitutional. Maybe that's, and it just sort of occurred to me as I was saying this out loud, maybe that's where we get all of this crazy rhetoric about democracy. When we actually believe that America is a democracy, it's being applied as a democracy in Congress. Not every one voice, one vote per person in America, but democracy in Congress. See, this is where we really, really jump the rails with this kind of talk about democracy. People actually think that we are a democracy. It doesn't take that much more, if any more, energy to simply say that America is a constitutional republic. But because we keep saying that America is a democracy, you got people like Tim Wahlberg that think a majority vote in Congress is the equivalent of the Constitution. Seriously now, that is just completely and utterly ridiculous. And that's where this democracy speech gets us. When people in Congress think that the vote of Congress is the equivalent of the Constitution. I'm sorry, that's why Constitution Week, you know, as a, as, a, as a person who understands the Constitution, who appreciates what those who ratified the Constitution desired and created, it's sometimes a little irritating to me that we actually have to have a Constitution Week. This is something that should be foremost on our minds all the time. Something that we should be focused on all the time. Not something that we manage because, hey, you know, we've got to once a, a year, right? We got to do this. We got to tolerate this for a week, once a year, blah, 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 seriously. This is not who we ought to be. But given the current situation that we're in, I am eternally grateful that we have at least once a year for an entire week where we have perhaps the attention of more people than we would 51 other weeks out of the year. And so in this Constitution Week, it is so important that you and all those you know with like mind refer to America as a constitutional republic. That's so important today. A constitutional republic.
because that's what tells people like Tim Wahlberg in Michigan that majority vote of Congress is not the equivalent of the Constitution. As James Wilson said, one of the ratifiers of our Constitution, as James Wilson said, it is the Constitution that predominates. Therefore, any act by Congress contrary to the Constitution is null and void. So, Mr. Wahlberg, your majority vote is not the equivalent of the Constitution. Your majority vote becomes, guess what, null and void if it is not made consistent, or in the language of the Constitution itself, in pursuance to the Constitution. That's what is important. The Constitution. That's why it's important we call it a constitutional republic. A republic is where the laws are created by representation. A democracy is where laws are created by popular vote. But a republic is made uh, is where laws are made through representation, equal representation. So a majority can't overrule a minority. So a majority can't take make a vote to enslave the minority. In whatever form or fashion that slavery might actually come. Financial slavery, economic slavery, property slavery, you know, indentured servants, or actual physical imprisonment slavery. The majority can't vote a law to put the minority into servitude. A democracy, that's where that works. In a democracy, the majority can vote to put the minority into servitude. But in a constitutional republic where laws are created by representation, equal representation by all groups, the minority has the same voice in lawmaking as the majority. We are a constitutional republic, which is a very specific kind of republic. As a constitutional republic, we are a constitutional republic because the government of legislation, the government of executive, the government of judiciary are strictly created and strictly bound by the terms of the Constitution. We put the government in a constitutional box. They're not able to leap out of it by their own accord. They're not able to b vote outside of it by their own accord. They're not able to redefine their box. They're not able to reapply their box or reinterpret their box. Any of those functions outside the box are null and void. Period. That's why saying a constitutional republic is, is important. That's why it's not semantics. And that's why it really, truly matters. If we're going to retain liberty in America, if we're going to secure liberty for our future, we've got to get it right. We talked about this yesterday. The key to knowing how, uh, to, to maintaining our republic is knowing how our republic is supposed to work. It is not a democratic republic. That is gobbledygook. That doesn't mean anything at all. It is a specific constitutional republic that the government is created and confined by the Constitution. Our government is not created and defined by majority vote. Our government is not created and defined by majority will of the people.
the Constitution was created. Bottom line, the Constitution was created to ensure the population would be free from majority rule. From the ebb and flow, the tide and whim and wave of the majority, the mob rule of society, political opinion, and the popular opinion. Our Constitution is in writing to be a static standard. And the problem in America today is not that our politicians don't read the Constitution. Our problem in America today is that our politicians don't follow the standard. Period. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. Remember that you can spread liberty 51 other weeks of the year. And that you can help by doing that, go to chrisannhall.com, get our Liberty First gear, where you can, un you can not only pontificate, but educate through our Liberty First gear. Get that at chrisannhall.com, where we're excited to have you join us in our efforts to equip, inform, and educate those on the Constitution of the United States. So happy to have you. Just, just can't tell you how excited I am to have you with us today. So today in Constitution Week, our, our topic is going to be the First Amendment. Now when I go around and I travel and I speak, I ask this question, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, I, well my goodness, I can't get this to work right this morning, sorry guys. I'm going to ask you this question, the same question that I ask all my students when I go around and teach. Can you name the five liberties in the First Amendment? Without your pocket constitution, without your um, uh, computer, without your laptop, without your phone, don't Google anything right now. Stop what you're doing off the top of your head and name for me the five liberties in the Constitution, uh, the, in the First Amendment. The five liberties in the First Amendment. Now I know from traveling and teaching that we have at best 2% of the people who can name all five liberties of the First Amendment. But this is part of how you can break the ice right, this Constitution week. Go up to your friends and ask them this question. Make sure you know the answer before you do it. But go up to your friends and ask the question. Can you name all five? And then when they can't, say, look, this really matters because if you don't know what your rights are, how do you know that someone in government is not trying to take them away? How are you going to defend your liberty if you don't even know what it is? And here's the key. I don't know if you should say this to your friends or not, but this is the reality. If you don't know the five liberties in your First Amendment, do you know what that tells me? You're not 
exercising them on a daily basis. If you were exercising them intentionally on a daily basis, you would already know what those rights are. And not only that, you'd be prepared to defend them because you'd know right away as you're daily exercising that any minute somebody walks around the corner, they can try to, to deprive you of your rights, deny you of your rights simply out of ignorance. It doesn't take uh, maliciousness anymore. Just simple ignorance. And, and the ignorance that's driving the politically correct narrative, narrative today is becoming a social standard and developing into a legal standard. Society is dictating how laws are applied, which is contrary to the whole purpose of having a law, mind you. The reason you have a law is so that it's standard. Not so that certain classes of people get the law certain ways and society can dictate the law one way or the other. If the law is based in natural law, if the law is based in the preservation of the rights of the people, then it cannot be altered by whim or opinion or political ideologies. Let me show you something. This is uh, Benjamin Franklin writing as Silence Do Good in 1722. He wrote, as I he wrote that, um, oh, that's the wrong one. He wrote, without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as, pub as wisdom, and no such thing as public liberty, without freedom of speech, which is the right of every man, as far by it as he does not hurt or control the right of another. And this is the only check it ought to suffer, and the only bounds it ought to know. You see, what I hope to explain today about this specific aspect of the, the liberties of the First Amendment, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of press, the right to peaceably assemble, and the right to petition the government of a, for a redress of your grievances, is a very, very important distinction. I hold my right to freedom of speech, freedom of press, the, I hold my right to freedom of religion, you don't hold my right. I believe that's where we get things confused in society today. And when we get back from the break, I'm going to explain to you how that actually works. If you can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris and Paul, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to Chris Ann Hall, uh, Daily Journal. Hey, look, Chris Ann Hall, K R I S A N N E H A L L dot com. Raise your hand if you have Liberty First gear. If you have Liberty First gear on your body, give yourself bonus stars for wearing it right now, especially during Constitution Week. But please go get your Liberty First gear at chrisannhall.com. And don't forget, this is the perfect time to do a Liberty First University subscription for your friends while you have this topic going, while you have this conversation open, while your school teachers are supposed to be teaching the Constitution, libertyfirstuniversity.com 
is the most accurate, most original source-based education on the Constitution organized together in one place that you can find. I guarantee you that. I, I promise you that. I've, I've looked at the others. They, were, they rely on professors. They rely on Supreme Court. We rely on those who actually wrote the Constitution. And that's what, as James Madison said, that's what is the most relevant. Not only that makes a great Christmas gift, whatever, you know, be at LibertyFirstUniversity.com. Not to mention, you can get the, many of the courses at LibertyFirstUniversity.com on DVD. They're on DVD, or you can download them directly to your computer. And we have a Constitution Week DVD set, where we have six short 12-minute or less videos for uh, someone to play in the classroom, in the church, at work. Remember I said business owners, constitutionally minded business owners, you ought to be having constitution training with your employees this week. They're your captive audience. If you can do OSHA training, you can do constitution training, right? Seriously. And the Constitution Week DVD will help you do that. You don't have it this week? Go get it. You'll have it for next week. Say, look, we missed last week, we'll, we'll get it for this week. You know, whenever you get it, start your Constitution, excuse me, start your Constitution training. It really, really, really is important. So, what is my current events thing today uh, for our First Amendment lesson? Well, let me show you. This is a case from the Supreme Court of Arizona that was published yesterday. This is a really important case because, you know, if you're a longtime listener at Liberty First University, uh, if you're a longtime student at LibertyFirstUniversity.com, a longtime follower of ChrisAnnHall.com, if you're a longtime listener to the Daily Journal, then you know uh, nearly every single one of these court cases where people have been championing, championing religious liberty victories, you know they haven't really been religious liberty victories. For example, the Supreme Court opinion regarding the Colorado cake baker. It was championed as a, a victory for religious liberty and the cake baker. It may have been a victory for the cake baker, but it was not a victory for religious liberty because remember, in that particular case, the Supreme Court actually sent out in the form of their opinion an instruction to our state and local governments on how to draft laws to force Christian business owners to operate contrary to their religious convictions. They wrote an instruction manual on how to do that. And we've already seen that. It was put back into play in Oregon. It's been put into play in Washington. So this was not a victory. But this, this case with the Arizona Supreme Court is a victory. Now here's the crazy thing. If you've been through the judiciary course at at LibertyFirstUniversity.com, then you know that, that the Arizona Supreme Court is where this case should end. Because you know federal jurisdiction excludes cases that arise within the jurisdiction of a state. A case where a citizen of one state uh, sues a citizen from their same state, where the citizen of a state sues their state 
That is an internal affair. It does not become a federal jurisdiction until the matter reaches outside the state, a citizen suing another citizen from another state, a citizen suing another state that is not their own, or a federal law issue. That's the only jurisdiction by the Constitution under Article 3 for the federal courts. Now, will this be appealed through the federal courts because we don't follow the Constitution anymore? Who knows? But I want to talk to you about this case because in this case, the Supreme Court gets it pretty much right. Pretty as close as I've seen it. And, and it really made, it solidified in my mind this distinction that I was talking about before our break. My right to freedom of speech, my right to freedom of press, my right to freedom of religion. I hold those rights, you don't. Our government today operate as if someone else holds my right. And believe it or not, the dissent in this case operates under that fallacy of liberty. Let me tell you how that works. Because I hold my right to freedom of religion. It is my right. I determine my conscience. I determine my limit of activity. I determine the limit of my speech. I determine the limits of my behavior based on my freedom of religion, based on my conscience, because it is mine. Remember Benjamin Franklin said that the only limit to my liberty is that I cannot harm or control the right of another. You don't hold my right. I hold my right. But in society now, we have that backwards. We think the same-sex couple holds the freedom of religion's right of the cake baker. The same-sex couple says, you can't, you can't not serve me because I am now the judge of your conscience. My position outweighs your right to determine your boundaries based on your conscience. Now I have a quote here from James Madison that is incredibly important. And it's something that we need to really, really understand. If I can get this to, I don't know what is going on with my program today. It is like lagging behind for me. James Madison wrote in 1792, conscience is the most sacred of all property being a natural and unalienable right. You see, not only is the business that you own your property, but your conscience and the, and the liberty you have to operate in that conscience is your property as well. So someone can't come into my business and rob and steal my business because they're stealing my property. That's a violation of my right to property. But someone can't come into my business and rob and steal my conscience either because my conscience is my property. And what we have is we've, we've got it all backwards, that people on the outside hold possession of our rights. Listen, when someone on the outside can dictate the value, right? We, my cell phone. My cell phone has a value to me. I assign the value of my cell phone. 
After I've paid for it, I own it, I can tell you what my cell phone means to me. I can sell it to you based on my assessment of its value. And because I have the authority to put value on my cell phone, I own it. When someone else has the authority to put value on your conscience, they own it. And that is contrary to every standard of every property, of every liberty that has been established since liberty had been speak, has been speak, spoken of. So, if I'm a Christian and I don't want to make a cake for a, a same-sex couple wedding, that is my conscience, and they don't have the lawful or natural law authority to put a value on my conscience and force me to do something, that is actually theft. I don't know if I can make that any clearer, so I hope you're grasping that. That is actually theft. So let me tell you a little bit about this case. So this is actually a case where in Arizona they have an ordinance that says businesses of public accommodation cannot discriminate against, uh, against their customers based on sexual orientation. So they've passed the law as the Supreme Court has told them to so that they can force and own the conscience and property of Christians. Okay. Well, the Supreme Court of Arizona is not going to follow the Supreme Court's instructions because guess what? The Supreme Court of Arizona, at least the majority here in this court, has a firm grasp of ownership of rights and liberty and property. And they know that a customer doesn't own your property until they pay for it. You own your property. And that would include your conscience. So what this is, is that we have Brush and Nib Studio, they make... They make custom wedding invitations. And the ordinance, in their understanding, forces them to create their product contrary to their religious conscience. So they filed a suit against the city ordinance to file an injunction to make the city not be able to enforce that aspect on them in violation of their religious liberty. Well, all the way up through the district courts, the district courts got it wrong by, you know, the whole doctrine of, hey, somebody else owns your rights, your property, they can dictate to you your conscience. But the Arizona Supreme Court gets it right. So this is, this is Justice Gould of the Arizona Supreme Court, and this is what he says. The rights of free speech and free exercise, so precious to this nation since its founding, are not limited to soft murmurings behind the doors of a person's home or a church or private conversations with like-minded friends and family. These guarantees protect the every right of American to express their beliefs in public. This includes the right to create and sell words, paintings, and art that express a person's sincere religious beliefs. 
it's really interesting. He says, with these fundamental principles in mind, today we hold that the city of Phoenix cannot apply its human relations ordinance to force Joanna Duca and Brianna Kosky, owners of Brush and Nib Studios, LC, to create custom wedding invitations celebrating same-sex wedding ceremonies in violation of their sincerely held religious beliefs. Duca, Kosky, and Brush and Nib have the right to refuse to express such messages under Article 2, Section 6 of the Arizona Constitution, as well as the Freedom of Religion Act. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Remember our question today, can you name the five liberties of the First Amendment? And remember what uh, James Madison says, that conscience is the most sacred of all property, being a natural and unalienable right. This is directly related to our Arizona case. The Arizona Supreme Court has come finally, 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 we have a court that comes forward with the proper understanding of the ownership of rights, the proper understanding of liberty and its natural limits, and that if you have control over my conscience, you own me. And they have, they have said that the city of Phoenix's ordinance cannot force these people to create custom wedding invitations contrary to their religious beliefs. Now, the court is very clear in saying, look, we're just talking about the custom invitations. If somebody wants to come in and buy something that they're not personally creating, then guess what? They, can, they still have to sell it to them. You know, we have, we've got differing opinions on that, but that's a different can of worms we're not going to get into today. But I want you to know that they're standing up for real religious beliefs. I, for the time sake here, I'm going to go ahead and skip to the conclusion, okay? It says, We therefore conclude that the ordinance, as applied to plaintiffs' creation of their custom wedding invitations, places a substantial burden on their right to free exercise of religion, Additionally, the city has failed to show that applying the ordinance to the plaintiff's invitation is the least restrictive means to achieve its asserted compelling interest. Thus, the trial court erred in denying plaintiff's motion for summary judgment, and instead we're granting the summary judgment in favor, uh, and, and they erred in granting the summary judgment in favor of the city on the claim. Now they say, freedom of speech and religion requires tolerance of different beliefs and points. In a diverse pluralistic society such as ours, tolerance of another's beliefs and point of view is indispensable to the survival and growth, okay, this is them, not me, of our democracy. He said, uh, let's see. For this reason, we have always recoiled at those governments and societies that repress or compel 
ideas, or religious beliefs. It is the duty of the judiciary to enforce the text of our Constitution and statutes and the fundamental rights protected within them. Enforcing and protecting these rights preserves individual freedom of mind in preference to officially disciplined uniformity for which history indicates is a disappointing and disastrous end. <laughs> Hallelujah! Can you say hallelujah there seriously I want us to realize what has just happened this court is openly professing even though calling us a democracy is openly professing we are not a democracy I want to read this sentence again because it's really really important enforcing and protecting these rights preserves individual freedom of mind in preference to officially disciplined uniformity for which history indicates a disappointing and disastrous end. And while our dissenting colleagues may view a result contrary to our holding today as more progressive, it is not forward-thinking to force individuals to be an instrument for fostering public adherence to an ideological point of view they find unacceptable. After all, while the law is free to promote all sorts of conduct in place of harmful behavior, it is not free to interfere with speech for no better reason than promoting an approved message or discouraging a disfavored one. However enlightened, either purpose may strike the government. I'm just, I'm so excited about this. I, I think that I might make posters from this particular opinion. Uh, this, this gets it. I mean, it's such an odd thing to see someone in the judiciary actually get the understanding that individual liberty is an individual property owned by the individual, and when those in government can use government force to, to force a societal norm, the individual liberty is gone and all liberty is lost. God bless you guys. We will see you next time.